So hey, this is Kim Davis, and welcome to another one-on-one podcast. Joining me today, I have Asa Willock, who is at Adobe. And Asa, you have two titles, at least, with Adobe, don't you? Principal Product Manager at the Adobe Marketing Cloud, but also, and what we want to talk about today, identities are. That's a, it's, a, it's a fun title to have. It really descends from a, a key focus for Adobe. So, um, so we, we start off with, with why this is such a big deal for Adobe and yeah. what requires the need of someone to be an identity czar. And what that descends from is Adobe really has this strong focus around marketing. Not everyone knows that Adobe, almost a, a complete third of our business is focused on serving the world's greatest brands in marketing. Nine out of ten of the world's largest brands utilize Adobe for their marketing cloud purposes. Two out of three of the Fortune 50. We really serve the premier customer with marketing. Now, that marketing up until now has really been focused on these core attributes of marketing, which we what we call analysis and understanding, you know, who visits my website? How does that work? Who visits my mobile applications, etc.? And then based on that understanding you have of those visits driven by Adobe Analytics and our power in that business, you want to personalize. You want to be able to say, well, great, if you, if you come to my website, let's say you come to adobe.com, I want to be able to personalize your landing for maybe you're interested in Creative Cloud and Photoshop or Lightroom. Or on the other hand, maybe you're interested in Acrobat and Reader or our marketing cloud products. And then finally, you want to reach them through the comprehensiveness of our ad stack so that you can reach a consumer across any of the devices they want to use with your message. And that's really the goal around building this marketing cloud, is give these great brands this ability to have a comprehensive set of tools. And that's the foundation of Adobe, these these amazing tools. But what has to go with these amazing tools is amazing data as well. And what we've seen is that previous focus on let's zoom in on a device where, let's say, we've got this mobile phone right now in front of us now, or I have my mobile phone, or my tablet, or my laptop. Each one of those, unfortunately, today looks like a separate person to these marketers. Right. Your experience with that can be disjointed. I give an example a little bit earlier, which I think is, is very apropos, which is I wake up in the morning and I, then I've been identified as someone who wants to remodel my house. Yeah. So I see an ad for Tile. Well, terrific. I'm interested in that. That's, that's perfectly done. But I don't click on that ad. It I stays front of mind for me. So then I go to work and I say, okay, great. I'm going to take a look at that. So let's say I search for Tile a little bit and I find some, some search ads. I click and follow them. I discover a little bit about Carrera mar- Marble Tile. Now, let's say I want the polished or the honed tile. I take these options. I send them to my wife because I'm not the decision maker in my household. She is. And we go home and lo and behold, I've actually correctly grabbed a hold of something. We click on it. We go in and we purchase it. Right? What's wrong with this journey, Kim? Nothing. <laughs> right. Right. But for the poor marketer, it yeah. looks like one device where, okay, you, you saw an ad, but what happened? Nothing. Yeah. Can you justify that ad spend? Likewise, you searched on a different device where you clicked on some things, terrific, but then what happened? Again, nothing. And then someone who directly navigated to some content didn't even bother with your website or your, or your carefully crafted journey and bought something. So what do you optimize? What do you do? Do you just you know, force your products to the front of the stack? It's not, it's not following the customer journey in a way that's useful. You're not delivering an experience business, which has really been the focus of Adobe, yes. giving our customers the ability to reach their consumers with this delightful, continuous experience that is so important for, for all of these marketers to be able to reach their consumer and say, hey, it, it, this is personalized for you in a way that is is weaved right in with the narrative that your brand wants to tell. And, and that need across this wide sphere created the need for an identity guy. Okay, so that's the identity czar. And I think the background for this, and let me see if this resonates with you, is the change we've been seeing over the last five years, maybe even longer, from the marketer seeing it as his or her business 
to get a message to as many people as possible. Just get this message and put it in front of people's eyes. To this whole world of customer experience, which you referred to, where the marketer really wants to have, as far as is possible, a personalized relationship with consumers, whether it's B2B or B2C. You want to be in touch with that person who is a prospect, maybe an existing customer, and have an ongoing relationship with them. And the problem you point out, which I know a lot of people are trying to solve right now, are these kind of blind spots and gaps, because the life we all live now is jumping from device to device, location to location. So have I summarized uh, the challenge? I think you've done a very good job. But I mean, the, you've summarized, I think, one of the key elements of the challenge. It's, it's a big part of what's happening. Um, when I think about sort of the components that have to go into that, Adobe just released a report mm-hmm. and published by Adobe Digital Index. And what it showed is that gone are the days where you can hang up just your digital shingle and expect organic growth simply from that fact. Right. Where you can leave that open and expect the growth of the Internet just to drive you forward. But those marketers who have been successful have been the ones who've been engage, able to engage multi-channel. Now, multi-channel is a very big word, but what it indicates yeah. is exactly what you're talking about, Kim, which is this ability to say, well, my consumer is going to approach me through, through different vehicles. They're going to approach me when they have time on the subway through their mobile phone. They're going to approach me when they're sitting down on the couch via their tablet. They're going to approach me at work on their laptop. Mm-hmm. And what this report also shows is consumers expect a personalized experience weave throughout that journey. So what does that mean? Well, I, I think about the authentic experience that I want as a consumer, which is I go to my local neighborhood coffee shop where they know my name. I literally walk up, they, they produce the order that I'm interested in already, they know who I am, and there's that personal deep interaction where you trust this person, they trust you, and you have this common experience where you throw, I think that's the goal for a brand, right? is to be able to give the consumer, even though you're scaled to many millions of consumers perhaps, for the largest brands that Adobe serves, to be able to have that continuous experience. And when you think about it, what are the, what are the primary complaints? You're disconnected in, I talk to customer support, and then they don't know me on the website. I talk to, I engage with an offer you made in your marketing, but now reconciling that elsewhere is difficult for me. And as anyone who offers an enterprise, you can wrangle with the issues of, oh, those are disparate systems, there are challenges therein, but that one ability to be able to say, well, I know that corporation in the same way that I would know that person who ran my coffee shop is the goal. Yes. And we want to have that experience with the consumer. That's very frustrating, of course, for a customer in this digital world. If you spend a great deal of time in one channel, say on a website, um, downloading information, asking questions, and then when you pick up a phone or you go to uh, the mobile site or something, it's as if you've just walked in the door and nobody knows anything about you. So that's the importance of continuity. You've got it. That's exactly right. So just to talk talk about Adobe's approach to this, now whether you want to handle this at a conceptual level, a technical level, or a mixture of both, I leave to you. But how do you start to solve this problem? Well, let's, let's frame this from alternatives, for mm-hmm. starters. So, so marketers have a set of alternatives out there today for trying to address really this cross-device problem. And, um, and I'll, then I'll break down into a, why Adobe thought there was an opportunity for, for, an al- for an alternative that Adobe believes is the best of both worlds. Right. So the alternative started with this ability of, hey, help me identify my consumer across these devices. Because for most brands, their ability to do so organically is very limited. Um, for most brands, a less than 10% ability to be able to say with some determinism, okay, well, these two devices should belong to the same unknown person. Right. Because most consumers want to approach a brand, but they, they invest in that brand progressively. 
they don't usually do the first thing out of the gate is, I'm going to register with this brand. And, that, and that's okay. That's a normative buildup of trust. But being able to have that continuous experience means 10% is not going to cut it. Yeah. So if I can then reach out, I need an ability to link those devices together to say, all right, I should treat these respectfully as belonging to one person and continue that journey. So what are those alternatives? Well, you have what we refer to as the walled garden approach, where the largest purveyors of digital identity, um, brands like a Google, like a Facebook, have the ability to link devices together at massive scale. That offers this great power to the average brand. Say, hey, Mr. Marker, you can utilize my data to be able to link these devices together. The challenge with that is there's a perception that that's linked to the purchase of media on those things. And that's really meaningful for a marketer because it's not just the representations of lock-in, but it's also the element of whose customer is this now? Is this my customer anymore, or does this belong to the media outlet's customer? And and that's very meaningful, and it means that there's a desire for an alternative that allows you to reach your customer on whatever channel they want to use, whether it's part of that walled garden approach or not. So they're looking for an alternative, and, and there are alternatives. There are things like the probabilistic-based startups, mm-hmm. and this entered into the scene and really demonstrated the cross-device problem early. So, okay, great, it's disconnected from the walled garden, but now there's a different challenge, which is there really isn't any determinism in this solution. It's entirely a probabilistic solution that is built upon algorithmic associations, usually through something like an advertising exchange or different methods. So that works as well. But there's a different challenge, which is where is the determinism that gives me confidence as a marketer that these two devices are really linked? I I lack confidence in that. I understand how the science works and these components, but I want something that allows me to feel like at least the solution is real and legitimate. And that means there's a craving for this deterministic-based data, at least enough to say, I feel really good about this solution, and that's not there yet. So Adobe's built a solution that we believe is the best of both worlds, and this is how we did it on a higher level. Mm -hmm. So when we examine this space and say, what can we do? Our customers are asking for this, built into our suite of marketing products, these advertising measurement segmentation products. The interesting thing is Adobe took a look into our the data pools that we steward for our customers, our analytics business, our advertising businesses, steward data for the largest customers in the world. And each of them, as we mentioned earlier, has a piece of the puzzle. And that piece of the puzzle is insufficient yeah. for doing the whole thing. But build a cooperative model out of that. And you suddenly have a solution that's equal to rival those enormous scale of those walled gardens and brings a determinism that the probabilistic startups can't match. And so when we saw this, we said, wow, this is really interesting. We can offer these these customers something that that they haven't had access to before, the best of both worlds. But is this something that, that customers really want? Are they invested in a model that says, if you submit your piece, you can see back 5, 10, 15, 20 times as much data around your consumer? And so when we spoke to these brands, uh, we said, hey, is, is this something that interests you? And we got back things like, this is something that we've been expecting Adobe to do for a very long time. Right. And so I, I don't have to tell you as a product person, that, that means you've really hit on a, a key market need. And so from that point, you saw some of our announcements around Summit saying, we're building this device cooperative. And uh, the key investments in that have been building a cooperative that's fair building a system that really serves the many diverse use cases. We just covered a few of them in mm-hmm. advertising or measurement tank. How many people came to visit this website? Or being able to make a personalization for visiting adobe.com or a different brand on the very first visit based on information you have connected with maybe your mobile phone or a different device where you can demonstrate that intentional lifestyle you're engaged in. 
And then finally, if you're doing that advertising, well, why not have the ability to reach a consumer across their devices, but also frequency cap, one of my favorites, which is good for not only the marketer, but the consumer as well. Or maybe today, if I have five devices identified, I might get 25 ads, five on each. That isn't the marketer's intent. That's not the consumer's intent. But you have this wonderful ability to tune your message. And delivering that across a marketing stack has led to the terrific excitement we've seen from our customers. Let's uh, dive a little bit deeper into this uh, co-op concept, though, because although it seems like a great idea, and I think of it in terms of... I agree, it is a great idea. (laughs) ...having a huge pool of solid, deterministic first-party data, was there any trepidation where you have, say... Two businesses work in similar spaces, one fairly small, one quite large, and you're asking the large business to give their competitor all their first-party data. Yeah. So, so a couple of things first. So, so one of which is we offer a hybrid device graph. That is both elements. So the power of deterministic data source from all these brands as well as the probabilistic piece. Because following the cross-device market today, you really need to have both. You need as many signals as possible to be really confident that these two devices, this mobile phone and that laptop, really belong to the same person. And any one signal, even a one party's massive benefit to deterministic signals, is not enough by itself. For example, I share logins with my family often. But I don't share it on every brand that I do. Sure. But any one brand is going to treat us as one person. Yeah. So the combination of sources is super important. So we really agree with the industry leaders here that uh, a hybrid device graph is the way to go. Now, on, you asked a really pertinent question, which is, how do you build a, a, a device cooperative, especially where you want a, a diverse panoply of customers to join some small, some very large? We thought about that in the very beginning. And the answer to that is, you need a built-in model for fairness. And we constructed exactly that way, built from the ground up. We, we looked at existing cooperatives and said, well, how do these really work? How do you give the largest member looking at this the comfort knowing that they're going to receive a commensurate benefit for what they contribute? And so there's a built-in give-get to the way that the cooperative works. So it's triggered off of your first-party traffic mm-hmm. and triggered off of your first-party advertising, which means that if I'm a tiny brand and I have a very small footprint of visitors, let's say 100 a month, then I extend that 100 a month into additional advertising visitors. Let's say now you have 500 devices available. Or I trim it down to 50 people who represented those 100 devices. But that also applies to a visitor who has a million devices a month. Now it becomes 5 million devices at that point, or down to 500,000 people. The commensurate benefit is really key, and that's something we built in from the get-go. Right. So that each one of these brands receives a, an enormous benefit but it doesn't mean that we're changing the balance of power in the industry. Oh, and that message has really resonated nicely with our customers who understand now that if I'm a large or small brand alike, I get a commensurate benefit for what I bring to this system. Okay, and it is also worth pointing out, I, correct me if I'm wrong, it's optional. In other words, you can use Adobe Marketing Cloud and not Absolutely. jump into the co-op. Absolutely, yeah. We wanted to make sure that we offer this as something where progressive digital marketers could say, this is something that's important to me. But Adobe takes very seriously being a steward for our customers and our brands, and we wanted to make sure that they had the opportunity to approach this, understand what value they were getting. And you know, there's some really important restrictions that go with this. Because we take consumer privacy so seriously, we want other brands who take that very seriously as well. And that means that there's limitations in use to the cooperative that make sure that we're adhering to the guidelines established by groups like the DAA, the NII, which have really been forward-looking, trying to look at, okay, well, you know, given that this cross-device technology is very useful, but also very new, mm-hmm. what are the ways that we can utilize it that, that match consumer expectations? So on that front, we worked very closely with those groups to establish a set of guidelines so that when you found this cooperative, 
we all play by the same rules. Right. And that makes it very comforting for large brands as well, those same ones who are taking a look and saying, well, I see my benefit that I'm getting. I understand my part. Help me understand why this is for the Sterling brands that Adobe represents. And once they understand how the community represents that and adheres to good privacy practices, there's a lot of comfort there, which is really important. It is. I'm just broadening that. I mean, something I'm aware of and I, I think is very encouraging is that increasingly seeing um, brands who are developing and supplying these uh, technologies being willing to come together and talk about standard ways of measuring accuracy and precision, standard approaches to privacy and that kind of thing. So that's something Adobe gets behind? Oh, definitely. I mean, this is something where Adobe cares a great deal for standardization. I think you've seen us as a company for many, many years support that element within the community because we believe that innovation leads to successful standards and then leads to more innovation. We can all conquer and move on to the next series of problems that confront the consumer, that confront the marketer, instead of presenting n different ways to do something. Let's get behind something that offers real value and focus on what we believe is the core strength of Adobe, which is that innovation. Coming back to what is the key problem at hand. So working with the privacy community, we really feel like we've advanced the ball significantly and and in two very meaningful ways. The first of which is this cooperative is fully transparent. We list every single member who's a part of that cooperative. Mm -hmm. Why that's so important is that for a privacy-minded consumer coming to our cooperative opt-out and privacy tool, you can understand, well, where do my choices take place? If you spend time on the Internet today, that's unfortunately lacking often. And you, you come to this and say, well, I'm making a choice if I want to participate in this program or not. But what if I can't see where those choices happen? Does it happen over the entire Internet? Maybe not. You need clarity on that. And for premier brands to come forward and say, this is something we're proud to be associated with, yeah. is a very big deal in what's allowed us to secure praise from groups like the FPF and, and their leader, Jules Polonetsky. So the other piece that's super important is we list all of the devices linked together. We've done what we refer to as evening the balance of power between the marketer and the consumer. And, and why not? These are consumer's devices that are linked together. Right. It's my mobile phone, my laptop, my tablet. I ought to be able to make choices, not just about the one of them, and understanding, well, it might be linked to other things. I should have clarity on this is the information that is linked from these different devices. Make choices understanding that this is exactly the same information that a marketer would have. So if you want these two devices linked together but not a third, you can make that choice all from one convenient location. Okay. And that's super important to be able to give consumer that comfort because we've studied this. And when a consumer has an idea of what we refer to as the who, what, and where, right? who am I being represented as with these devices? Where do my changes take place? And what does this really mean? The comfort level goes way up. Yes. And, and that's so important for these brands that we represent where, okay, cross-device is here to stay. It has great utility. But how do I give comfort to my consumers that this is being used in a very genuine and very useful way with some key structures that, as you mentioned, within the privacy community, within the larger marketing community, have great value in stricture. That That is Adobe's goal, and, and we've really feel like we've made a big move to try and advance those goals. Absolutely, and, and very laudable. And another topic we could get into if we had time was the, the challenge of privacy laws varying across territories. That's another whole big thing. But for this uh, podcast, you've given us a great introduction to the CULP and explaining how it works. Thank you, Asa, thanks very much for joining us. Likewise, thank you very much. Uh, this is Kim Davis. Thanks for listening in. We'll catch you soon with another one-on-one.